0: Welcome to The Home Building Hero, where we help you become the hero of your new home by providing you all the information that you need, no matter if you're an industry pro, you're building, or you're buying. We got you covered here at The Home Building Hero. We're coming to you live today from the LP Studios here in Wisconsin. I'm your host, David Bellman, president of Bellman Homes. Thank you for tuning in today. today's topic, climate change and the financial gain behind it. All right, guys, I've sat on this for a while and I've really debated about, do I really want to do this topic? Is this topic going to irritate people? It probably is going to irritate some people, but I think it's also going to be appreciated by a lot of people that think the same way. And I guess I started to experiment with the climate change topic recently. I posted this on LinkedIn and of course it, it it blew up. It's been getting tons and tons of comments uh, both good and bad as many, many things uh, these days are controversial and, and we can't continue our society and our world uh, by, by not talking about things and having dialogue and, and sharing either side of, of the opinion. So uh, today, I'm going to be sharing my opinion and and some facts and some information that I found uh, about climate change because that seems to be every time, you know, uh, a bill needs to get passed or, or or there's an emergency rather, a bill gets thrown out. We got to have this bill. We got to pass this bill to stop climate change. Well, I'm going to debunk some of the climate change stuff today on this podcast because. Unfortunately, and the reason why I'm doing this is that a lot of this climate change stuff that is being thrown out there affects housing. It affects housing affordability, affects housing cost, and as as you know and as you've heard if you listen to this podcast before, I'm a big advocate for keeping housing affordable so that the next generation can can have access to housing just like we did. It's the American dream. It's the American right to to be able to own real estate, own housing. And a lot of these things that are getting thrown out there are uh, directly threatening that. And, and and I'm done. I've got to say something about it. And that's what we're going to do here today. So let me start by this pre- premise because um, th- I think this is the, the easiest way to handle this. First off, climate change. Yes, the earth and the climate in the world is changing. But here's the thing, it always has been changing. I mean, one of the first things that we saw in our science classes is how how the continents have shifted and spread apart and how the world is constantly changing. We all can acknowledge that we've seen the imagery, we know that's what's happened. The earth is always changing. The question is how much of it has been man-made or Uh, as a result of humans versus, you know, just the earth naturally changing. And I don't think we will ever be able to ascertain that accurately. And nor could we because we are all part of this planet, right? We are symbiotic uh, in our relationship in that, you know, we do things that change the environment. We know that. But we also do, you know, do things like I mean so we we farm, we raise cattle, we have to interact with this planet. It is going to dynamically change over time. But what I have a problem with, and what I want to really talk about here in this podcast, is that we are trying to politicize this and we are monetizing this. And it is being done for financial gain primarily. And that's really what I have a problem with. I understand the world is is changing, and we've probably made an impact on that. There's no doubt. But trying to politicize it and turn this into monetary gain is is extremely wrong. And there's a lot of disinformation out there on both sides of the aisle, no doubt. And when you start to follow the money and follow the facts, it starts to get um, a little more obvious and... Uh, it it's kind of a bit ridiculous. And, and some of this is self-inflicted, of course, as well. We'll talk about that in a minute. But all right, let's talk about this for a little bit because this this is what bothers me, right? There's some sort of natural disaster, hurricane, uh, wildfire, whatever it is. And, and all of a sudden, the next headlines are, we need to pass this climate change bill. We need to do this. We need to do that. You have to understand that lobbying has huge power, And a lot of these bills benefit very, very large corporations and and very large um, donors to certain political parties. And when these bills get passed, guess who benefits? These big companies that push for these bills. We've seen it all the time. We've seen it over the years. I hate to throw this out there, but I'll throw this as an example. Um, Simpson Strong Tie, okay? They have a huge lobbying effort. Back, I don't know, about six, seven years ago, uh, maybe it was even longer now, um, they uh, lobbied for hurricane bracing here in Wisconsin. We don't have hurricanes in Wisconsin. We've never had a hurricane in Wisconsin, yet we have to put hurricane bracing now in our homes because they lobbied for that to create the shear wall bracing. And guess who was the only company that had all the components necessary to protect against this? Simpson Strong Tie. Okay? That's just a micro example of how this works. So let's just talk more specifically about the climate change and some of the things that I question when when we hear this information. Okay. First off, we keep getting told the world's getting hotter, the world's getting warmer, the average temperature is rising. Well, in 2014, Antarctica set a record for ice. How is that possible? This doesn't make any sense. If the world is getting hotter, why was there a polar vortex? Seems kind of contrary. Recently, there was some data that came out and studies that have shown that the ocean levels have not risen over time and that trying to actually study the levels of the ocean is futile because, again, there's no basis for where they start and stop uh, they are constantly moving. The water is moving. There's tides uh, that affect it. Um, it. And even just still, the earth is still moving and shifting. So how do you accurately measure ocean levels? You really can't. And that's one of the things that these people love, is they love things that you can't really go back and quantify because then they can throw money at it and never be held accountable. One of the biggest fallacies in all the climate change stuff is with regard to polar bears. Right? Hey, put a picture of a cute polar bear up and scare everybody they're going to die and one of the biggest things that they've done over time is they found a picture of a very sickly polar bear. There's something wrong with it, it was diseased, I'm not sure what it was. It was it was basically extremely skinny, bony. I mean, it looked sickly, right? And they bandy that picture all over the internet. And in every article, you can find this, the same picture of this polar bear. Well, it was sickly, okay? You know what? I can I can find a picture of a raccoon in my yard that's sickly at some point, take a picture of it. And then I could probably find 50 pictures of big, fat raccoons that are happy and loving life, right? So we have to understand the context of it. And with the polar bear thing, this is what's interesting, right? They said in a Norwegian area, their population has actually increased 42%. And the population right now of polar bears is five times higher than it was in 1950. So if all this climate change is killing off the polar bears, why is their population increased? I don't get it. Okay. Now there's a whole there's an article too about <laughs> scientists and and believing climate change, right? And there's all these articles, oh, 99% of scientists agree climate change is the thing. But then there's also another article that's saying 99% of scientists don't believe climate change is a real thing. And there's also been articles debunking the 99% of the ones that believe and say, well, it's maybe closer to 80%. And again, it's a very specific sample group of, you know, client or climate change activist scientists so of course they're going to uh believe that because that's what they've their belief is right we all have beliefs and you could probably sample a completely different group and they have a different percentage so it's hard to use that and and again that's this is where this gets so iffy is a lot of the data it can be easily manipulated and um you know we don't know the origin of it and and some of the data, which is really funny, is they'll start showing average temperature before humans really calculated temperature. How do you do that? I'd love for somebody to explain that one to me because, as far as I know, other than trying to extrapolate back, there's no way that if you haven't recorded that data, how do you know exactly what the temperature of the earth would be and say 1500 Please explain that one to me. I would love to hear your answer. Speaking of manipulating data, NOAA, an organization that has been tracking the temperature data since 1895. So this is back when they really first started 1895. They were caught showing a two and a half degree increase that has been proven wrong. And they've been bandying this survey and study out there for a long time. Oh, and they're only off by two and a half degrees. (laughs) Nice, okay? That's all I can say to that is nice, okay? Listen, the average temperature of the planet has increased. They've documented that. That's been well documented. But guess what? This is what's interesting. This is what they don't want you to know. The average temperature of the planet has increased by 0.096 degrees over a decade, okay? Okay? Okay, so it's went up. But guess what? It's went up the exact same amount 23 years ago. So this sort of claim that the temperature is rising faster and faster is patently false. Yes, the temperature of the earth has increased, but it's increasing at a steady rate over time. So that means that whatever humans are doing currently right now is not causing any additional temperature change than what was done in the past. Wow, kind of blows up some of the climate change information right there, doesn't it? NASA was measuring CO2 levels. You know, and oh, we're producing way too much carbon dioxide and, you know, we're going to destroy the ozone layer. Well, guess what? The only elevated areas in the whole world are in China and South America. So why does the United States have to do all this activism on climate change if we're not the ones causing the issues, right? Or we're not the ones producing additional CO2 levels. It's kind of interesting. All right, a fairly reputable person, John Coleman, he's a co-founder of the Weather Channel. He's been actively studying climate change. And he dropped this bombshell quote. And I quote from him directly. This is from John Coleman. No significant man-made global warming at this time. There has been none in the past and there is no reason to fear any in the future, end quote. (laughs) Let me read that one more time. No significant man-made global warming at this time. There has been none in the past and there is no reason to fear any in the future. Okay, (laughs) that's quite a statement. Again, the climate is changing and evolving. No, I'm I'm not arguing that. But but to put this all on man and it, it, it is fallacy. And here we've got um a very reputable person uh, agreeing with that. Now, let's talk about some of these strange weather occurrences and things that are happening. The hurricanes, the wildfires, the natural disasters, the big storms, Oh my gosh, they're increasing. They're they're out of control. We got to pass this bill. Well, guess what? Deviations in weather are not from humans. (laughs) All right, Let's, let's talk about the earth for a minute. The earth is generally round. We agree on that, right? We figured out it's not flat anymore. It's round. But guess what? It's not perfectly spherical. Anyone that wants to come to me and tell me that the earth is perfectly spherical Spherical is, is full of nonsense, right? We have mountains, we have hills, we have valleys, we have plateaus, we have oceans, we have all sorts of different... We have sea elevations, right? So we know that this earth is not completely spherical. Well, if you've ever thrown a spherical ball that's very balanced, right, it's going to go pretty much the same way every single time. But now take like something like an apple, which is not spherical, Right? and throw that. It's going to go all sorts of little different patterns and have different arcs. Just look at a baseball, right? They put the stitching on it. They can do all sorts of crazy things with the the baseball, right? They can make it spin a little bit. They can slide it. It's the same concept with the Earth and the orbit around the sun. Changes in the Earth's path around the sun is called eccentricity, okay? And it involves the, the shifts in orbit around the sun. And instead of having a roughly circular journey, it becomes more of an elliptical one. So what that means is there's going to be slight deviations in the distance and the pattern around the sun. So because of these shifts in the pattern of the earth going around the sun, that's going to cause different things to occur, right? It's going to affect the gravity, it's going to affect the tides, it's also going to create weather patterns. And there are more pronounced temperatures during summer and winter when these things get off tilt, right? When we get a little further away from the sun, it's gonna get a little bit colder. When we get a little closer to the sun, it's gonna get a little bit warmer. So trying to say one year over another year and comparing temperature, again, is fallacy because the earth is moving closer to and further away from the sun at different times because it is not round, okay? And this alteration is exacerbated when the earth's axial tilt is inclined to a sharper degree than usual, This causes the north and south poles to be positioned more directly towards the sun. These gradual variations in the Earth's orbit around the sun can strongly influence temperature extremes. That's how you explain it. It's not climate change. It's a not perfectly round object traveling around the sun is going to have slightly different patterns as it goes around the sun, changing our climate slightly. So yes, we do have climate change, but it's because of the pattern around the sun. It is not because of man. Man doesn't do this. Man can't control that. We may think we're powerful, but we're not that powerful. All right, let's talk about wildfires because this is another irritating one. And I I hate to say this, but (laughs) this one's kind of our own fault. And unfortunately, it's the fault of the people that are supposedly trying to, quote, protect our forests. Uh, more so than the people that want to harvest from the forest. Because here's the deal, all right? We've had all these wildfires, right? And we've had some stories recently, these wildfires spreading halfway across the western part of our country, right? That's terrible. I agree. I don't want to see wildfires. Nobody does. Sometimes they are good, though. Sometimes they help the forest regrow stronger. But here's the problem with the wildfires. We don't properly maintain our forest land here in the United States, not by a long shot. In, in parts of Europe and other countries that have very healthy forests, they recommend that you have 100 trees per acre to maintain a healthy forest that creates some good spacing and allows room for them to grow. Here in the United States, much of our forest land has over 300 trees per acre. These forests are packed tight with trees. Some of the trees are sickly. They're dying. They fall over. They land on the ground and they dry up. And guess what they turn into? kindling wood right and then a lightning strike hits this forest and that kindling wood just bursts into flames and then it starts to burn down the other trees and because there's packs so tight together a wildfire ensues and the fire crosses all across the country and it becomes uncontrollable and pretty soon we've burned down a whole huge part of our forestry had we properly maintained that forest, us and we use some of those trees, we cut down some of the older trees, we cut down the trees that are about to die and use that for domestic lumber, it would reduce our lumber costs dramatically. It would reduce our need for foreign and importing. And do you think it's economical or do you think it's really good for our environment to truck tons and tons of lumber all the way across the world when we have it right here in our backyard? Sell me on that one. But anyway. Back to the point. As we're harvesting these trees, we're actually making the forest healthier because now these other trees have room to grow. We're utilizing our natural resources in a better way, and we're potentially reducing the risk of these wildfires dramatically because these trees aren't so close together. You can stop the wildfire a little bit quicker, and the forests end up becoming healthier. It's a win-win-win, right? We're making, you know, the forest healthier, we're reducing the risk of severe wildfires, and we're producing resources that we need. Trees are a renewable resource. Okay? It's not a shame to cut down a tree, just plant another one. Okay? Let's let, let, let's be honest here, okay? So those are just some of the fallacies and some of the things that are going on with this climate change conversation and The question is why? Why do we do this? Why do we we push climate change so hard? Well, follow the money, okay? Follow the money. And unfortunately, this is one of those things where like I alluded to earlier, just throwing money at climate change is not going to solve the problem. And and these people that are pushing it know this because there is no really good tracking on a lot of this stuff. A lot of it is... um, you know, again, out of man's control. So, trying to just throw money at it is, is done for one reason and one reason only. And it's for political power and it's for uh, benefiting big corporations and lobby groups. That's who benefits from this. So, that politician that needed all that money to get elected, well, guess what? They'll do their buddies a solid and make sure that they pass some bill that benefits their company. So, for example, uh let's look at say um you know and we you know i generally like elon musk you know he's he's definitely a very uh outspoken and very um forward thinking entrepreneur but guess what uh <laughs> earlier in the year about 2 weeks before uh president biden uh, put through the electric vehicle uh order uh mandate whatever you want to call it Speaker of the House, his husband, Nancy Pelosi, bought $2.2 million in stock of Tesla. And then two weeks later, the bill gets passed mandating more electric vehicles in the future and Tesla's stock shoots up. Wow. What a genius move, <laughs> right? No, let's be honest here. That is about as blatant of an example as you can find, of using climate change, using this type of legislation for personal gain, and and benefactors and benefiting people, just like uh, as we go back through COVID, and you look at, say, uh, elected officials who own stock in uh, pharmaceutical companies. There were thirty eight senators that bought thirteen point four million dollars in pharmaceutical stock prior to all the COVID vaccines rolling out. Wow, isn't that interesting? You can find examples of this all over the place. And this is the reason why this is being pushed. The majority of these bills aren't going to really solve climate change, and they know it. And they know that because this is going to take so long for them to implement their changes that They'll be long gone. They'll be out of office by the time this all happens. And and no one really ever goes back and fact checks all these things. Um, And that's why they do it. Because it is for financial gain. It is a big, big, big business. And let's just look at one of our states, for example, in the country here, the state of California. They now add $600,000 to the cost of the home due to regulation. And we talk about migration, right? Oh, well, climate change causes migration. You know what's causing migration out of California right now? Legislation. I would say legislation is the bigger migration cause (laughs) than than climate change. You think people are leaving California because the climate sucks? No. That's why people move there to begin with. They're moving out of California because they can't afford to live there. They can't afford to own a home. They can't afford all the taxes and they've driven people out. There's a huge migration out of that state. They're losing Senate seats and Congress seats as we speak because there's so many constituents leaving that state. But here's one of the bigger problems. Anytime that you start passing laws and regulations, especially for homes, it takes people out of the market. It makes it much more unattainable for people to own a home. And this is why I'm so passionate about it, and this is why I talk about it, right? Right? I'm not saying solar energy is bad, but I don't have people lining up to put solar on their homes because the payback on it sucks. (laughs) I'm being honest here. The payback is over 20 years. Most people don't know if they're going to live in a home 20 years, so why would they put it in? Now, as the payback gets better, as the technology improves, as the cost goes down, yeah, it could be a good option, but it isn't right now. Just like geothermal. I put a ton of geothermal in. It's good for the environment, right? We're using the earth heat and cool our home. Hey, that's great. We're using less natural gas. That's awesome. I've put a lot in. But guess what? Again, the payoff on it sucks right now. It used to be a six to seven year payoff. Made sense for a lot of people. But when the payoff goes to 20 years again, is it really worth spending $30,000 to put one of those systems in? No, probably not. And I don't blame people for doing that because they can barely afford the home as it is. Listen, I'm a builder. I want to build energy-efficient homes. We do build energy-efficient homes. We use a lot of recycled materials in the products that we do. But I also want to build homes that everyone can afford. And I'm worried about our next generation, that we cannot help our next generation get into a home because we're making it so impossible for them to do that. And that's not right. And we certainly don't need to be making everyone else pay the bill so that some big corporation can get rich and some politician can line their pockets and take care of their benefactors that is completely wrong and the fact that we don't investigate this that we don't go after this and we don't prosecute this the way that we should is is what's really the problem here and that is at the crux of the the hoax here with climate change is the fact that people are getting rich off this the climate is changing the earth is moving and man may have a very small part in it, but throwing money at it is not the answer. Once again, thank you for tuning in to The Home Building Hero, broadcasting live from the Bellman Home Studio. If you haven't already, please make sure to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, and make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any future content. Until next time, I'm David Bellman, signing off.